Chapter 16, Nix the Killer By standing on an abandoned tricycle, Nix could just reach her mother's bedroom window, and thanks to the destructive neighbors, she wouldn't have to pry it open. Blinds hid the bedroom from view, but Nix heard her mother's voice echoing from the bathroom, lecturing the cats about chewing on her toothbrush. And you can tell your friends I'm tired of finding hair on the toilet paper. Do they rub up against it on purpose to annoy me? Nix put on the garden glove Jordan had lent her and carefully coaxed the bat through the blinds. It flapped around the room, slapping into walls and bouncing off light fixtures like a hairy tornado. Several cats on the bed sat up and took notice. So far, her mother hadn't come out of her bathroom. Nix climbed down and sat under the window, mostly concealed behind the tall weeds. It was dark enough that she wouldn't be seen. It felt like forever that she sat panting and sweating in the dirt. Finally, a scream shook the trailer. Any minute, her mother would come, tearing out of the house, leaving the door wide open behind her. More screams, each one louder than the last. Why hadn't she left the trailer yet? Shuffling noises, it sounded like Mrs. Wack was fumbling in a closet or under the bed. Through the stalks of weeds, Nick spotted people peering through windows and leaning outdoors. While Mrs. Wack's screaming was a normal occurrence, she didn't usually swear this much. The neighbors were no doubt hoping for some sort of drama. They were not disappointed. A final, maniacal scream shook the trailer. Silence. Then it exploded. Nix threw her hands over her head to avoid shrapnel from the window, except there wasn't any. Not even fire. Nix heard only the ringing in her ears. What was going on? Another blast followed, quieter, since she was still partially deaf from the first one. Then she heard a sound that sent a wave of despair through her. A gun cocking. Mrs. Wack had found one of her husband's shotguns and began a shooting spree in her own bedroom. Nix clutched at the weeds. The bat didn't have a chance. But Nix couldn't go in and stop her. She might be shot. Come to think of it, she might be shot right where she was. She pushed her body closer to the ground. The neighbors poured out of their homes and crept toward the trailer, taking cover with each new shot. From her mother's room came a cry of triumph. Nix felt sick. She'd delivered Bruce up to be murdered. No better than Leaf and Danny drowning dogs. The crowd shuffled into the yard. It's all right, Mrs. Wack bellowed from the front porch. Y'all can go home. I got the bugger. What was left of the bat sailed away from the trailer and landed in the midst of the gathered onlookers. They scrambled to get out of the way, as if the tiny broken body were a grenade. One brave man without a shirt kicked the bat and grunted when satisfied it was dead. You might want to keep your windows shut, Mrs. Wack called to her shell-shocked neighbors before slamming the front door. A few residents rushed away, apparently, to do just that, but most took their turn to glance at the dead rodent and mutter a few things about the Wack family in general. Nick stayed low in the weeds. She couldn't do this anymore. She was tired of acting in her mother's charade, keeping the blinds closed, burying the casualties after dark so the neighbors didn't recognize the corpses. Even if Sarah's safety hadn't been riding on this, it all had to end. By the time the last pair of plaid pajamas disappeared, Nick's already had a plan B. The crowd of neighbors had given her an idea. It was time to organize an unofficial block party. Nix buried the victim of her failed effort, during which time she refined plans for a second attempt. It was a daring scheme, one that would require a lot of Jordan-style sneakiness, but this time there would be no innocent martyr. This time, her mother would take the fall. Mrs. Wack didn't say a word about the bat when Nix entered the trailer at her regular scheduled time probably due to her embarrassment at having blasted holes in their living accommodations. After scooping the four litter boxes and receiving the nightly lecture on pulling her weight around the house, Nix crept to the phone book and removed the pages with Donald Dibble's home number on it. 
That ought to make it a little harder for Mrs. Wack to find out about her unemployment. On her way to bed, Nix peeked into her mother's room. Pieces of ceiling littered the floor, and tiny holes peppered all four walls. Nix shook her head. If her mother was embarrassed now, it was nothing to what was coming. Under her covers with Toad curled up between her ankles, Nix's mind drifted toward the next day, the first day of her sophomore year. How would it work if Tiago and Jordan were friends? Did that mean they'd all three be friends? Or was Nix going to be more a friend in principle than an actual time spent together? Nix decided she'd just have to be the most accommodating companion ever. Helpful, yet not clingy. Funny, but not annoying. Then, maybe Tiago will want to be her friend too, for his own sake. That night Nix dreamed she was in a treehouse watching Mr. Padilla take out the trash. Although Monday morning dawned warm and humid, Nix awoke to her joints aching with cold. Toad had arisen early and was in the closet, waging war against a shoe. You want to come to school with me, Toad? she asked. You could stow away in my book bag. In reply, Toad still stretched out across Nix's clothes pile and yawned. You're not going to make me jealous. Nix grabbed a towel and fresh underwear. At least I won't be stuck in the trailer all day with you-know-who. As per usual, on a school day, Nix finished her morning chores quickly so she could set off by 6.30. Walking to school instead of waiting for the bus accomplished three things. First, she minimized morning advice time with her mother, which normally consisted of extensive critiques of her appearance and a steady stream of dieting advice. Second, she didn't have to deal with all the brainless comments from the other kids about how the bus could possibly move with a 600-pound elephant on it. Lastly, Nix found walking to school along a woodland trail a pleasant form of exercise. Nix wasn't particularly attached to her spare tire, after all. After months of being stuck at home, the walk to school felt like being pulled from the muddy grave. Not only was it good to be back in a routine, but spending all those school hours away from her mother always had a positive influence on her mood. She strolled through hemlocks and maples and tried to decide what to say when she saw Sarah. How do you ask someone if you can be their bodyguard? Sooner than she'd expected, Nix arrived at the chain-link fence separating the school from the open woods. Her secret entrance was still there, a section of ground that had eroded enough for a larger-than-normal student to slip underneath. She climbed through the gap and headed toward the five red-brick buildings that made up Woods Cross High. Her heart thumped like it was the first day of kindergarten. While Nix waited for the buses to arrive, she examined the stump of twisted metal where the wolverine used to be. Dumb vandals. Hey, it's the fanny girl from Abendroth's. Nix looked up. The first bus had pulled in and was already excreting loudmouth students onto the sidewalk. Totally worth the wait, another called. You'd better be at the next party. Nix smiled. Maybe being famous wasn't so bad. At least they hadn't called her Dumbo. The other buses arrived and Nix scanned the chattering students for Jordan. She recognized a few of the older kids that were now seniors and strutting around like wardens in a prison, and she could easily pick out the freshmen by their vacant, horrified expressions. A large red truck pulled into a parking space and outstepped Fawn, petite and perfect. No wonder Jordan thought she was cute. She was actually smaller than him. Fawn wore black jeans with a tight green shirt that read eye candy in sparkly letters. Nix always noticed what people wore on the first day of school. It was a big day, and everyone went with their best. As a result, the social classes seemed even more distinct. The cool kids wore even cooler clothes, with the in-store crease still visible. While the brains wore new slacks and freshly starched button-ups and pretended not to care what anyone else thought. And those like Nix, for whom school shopping meant buying second-hand notebooks, wore whatever had the least holes. Nix had chosen a white v-neck with only light stains in the armpits. As long as she kept her arms down, no one should notice. Her jeans were frayed at the bottoms, 
which was as close to trendy as she could get. The only thing that worried her were the stupid, nasty shoes. Although she had no idea how, she had to get a new pair soon. She knelt by her bag and pulled out the crinkled schedule she received at the end of last year. Nix and Jordan had registered together so they could get as many classes in common as possible. She was glad he hadn't known Tiago back then. Trying to coordinate three schedules would have been a nightmare. First on the list was U.S. government, with teacher not yet assigned. Great. That meant whichever faculty member got the shortest straw would be in their reading straight out of the book. In a way, those classes were the easiest to get A's in, because the tests were taken word for word from the text. Sadly, they were also the classes in which you wanted to break your head open against the desk just to alleviate the boredom. The familiar sound of the pre-recorded wolverine growl echoed through the schoolyard, sending straggling students jogging into the buildings. Apparently a traditional bell didn't have enough motivational power. The faculty had employed threatening animal noises to let students know when they were about to be late. Where was Jordan? They'd always met up by the parking lot before going to their first class. Maybe he forgot. Hopefully he wasn't off doing best-friendy things with Tiago. Then again, hadn't she wanted him to be close to Tiago so she could spend time with them both? Honestly, Nix didn't know what she wanted, but the mere mention of Tiago's name in her internal frettings sent her mind floating into daydreams of European beach volleyball tournaments. In the East Building, she made a quick stop at the bathroom to check her hair. Unfortunately, her mind was still stuck in the Canary Islands. The moment she realized she'd entered the wrong bathroom, a stall opened. Daniel Fry emerged and went to the sink. "'You lost?' he asked with a grin. Before she could escape, the second stall door opened, and out walked the beater.'